Welcome to the Rated JG Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gilly. Thank you all for tuning in. All right, guys, coming back at you with a new guest on the Rated JG Podcast. Uh, joining me today is one of the biggest Texas Ranger fans that I know, one of the biggest WWE wrestling fans that I know, and most notably my MMA fight talk buddy, which is going to be our main point of focus today. Got Big Russ, Mr. Russell Brown. How you doing, sir? Good, man. How are you, bud? Doing great. Glad to finally have you out. We've been oh, trying to line this up for a minute. Yeah, heck yeah. It's good to be on. Yes, sir. Especially, like I was mentioning, you know, we're going to be mainly focusing on MMA today and any of you listening that are MMA fans know that we just had one of the craziest cards of the year. And um, you and I have watched, my gosh, many, many UFC cards together, uh, dating back to even like the Connor and Khabib, uh, DC and Stipe, like just, oh. to na- just to name a few. We've had a bunch. So yeah, Those were both on the losing ends of people we wanted to see. Amen. Exactly. But hey, we were there. Through thick and yeah. thin, we are there. Uh, yeah, I always enjoy talking to genuine fans like yourself to kind of get your perspective and your opinion on the big time fights. And uh, this this weekend was a perfect example of one of those must see UFC cards. You oh, know, yeah. two thirty nine, and it was absolutely stacked from top to bottom. Uh, so what I was planning on doing was just to kind of recap and break down the card from top to bottom. Um, but before we even get into that, we have not spoke about this at all yet. Were there any ones that, like any fights on this card in particular that were you were just amped for before you even knew the outcome? I was I was amped to see uh, Holly and Amanda Nunes, just because I was kind of hoping that Holly could shock the world again, like she was claiming, um, but she got shocked in the face with her own swift kick to the dome, so that kind of ended that. And I was interested to see what Diego was going to do, okay, to see if he was going to come back out and look good, but. He got manhandled that entire fight. Oh yeah, we'll we'll go over all of those. Yeah, yeah but okay. I, I mean, I, I uh, definitely can agree with the the Holly thing. Um, Diego has been. I feel like if you've ever watched MMA at all in the last twenty years, you know who Diego Sanchez yeah. and Cowboy Cerrone are because they're fighting every other weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, this one was no different than that. But um, starting with the prelims. Uh, did you happen to see the young uh, Chinese guy from uh, Team Alpha Male? That uh, his name's uh, Song. Yet whatever his name is, but man, he knocked that guy out cold. I saw the replay, and that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I—that's one thing I do love about this UFC jumping on with uh, with ESPN—is the fact that I can actually like see them for free. Like the prelims were on at 8 p.m. Anybody that has ESPN can watch them. And I've heard of this guy that uh, Cody Garbrandt and mm-hmm. Uriah Faber always talk about him because uh, he's on uh, Team Alpha Male mm-hmm. with them. And, I mean, apparently he's the real deal, and he dropped that dude with that nasty KO, and uh, he's making waves in that Bantamweight division, which no one else seems to be doing at this point in time, except for freaking uh, uh, champ, king of cringe, Cejudo. Cejudo, yeah. Yeah, a little. But, uh, no, it was that guy. I, I, it's weird because you hear, like, a lot about him, and then actually seeing them fight, you're like, okay, this is the real deal. Did you see Cejudo in the, in the uh, crowd? On Saturday, did when you when they panned over to him, he was know. in a sling. I don't know. I know that Usman has an injury, but I didn't see him. In yeah, he was in a sling, and when they panned over to him, or, or it was either when I saw it through the crowd, or it was on his Instagram, I think. And he's in a group picture. It's like him, Usman, Khabib, um, 
and somebody else, and he, it looked like he had a sling on. Huh. So I don't know if he's hurt or what, but I noticed that, and I, that's why it kind of caught me off guard. I mean, I know that Marlon Marais was whipping him up for a while that last fight. I mean, uh, Cejudo came out on top, but no, I didn't. Even, I didn't notice that, or if I yeah. did, I mean, I just kind of blew it off. I didn't even think twice about it because everyone and their mom was in the stands. Yeah. Uh, even uh, Dan Bilzerian was yeah. in there. Did you see him? It's right behind all those people had like three women on each side of oh, him. Oh, yeah, if not more. I think he had a whole row. But, yeah, that's funny because uh, I was telling Corey that uh, Bruce Buffer and Dan are like really good friends. He's always partying at Bilzerian's house. I'm like, Bruce, but you're 70 years old. What are you doing over there? You know he's rocking it, though. It, yeah, exactly. We he's were, probably wearing one of his coats. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the Blazers. Well, yeah, we were talking about that, and I'm like, man – he lives. He lives the lifestyle, man. Old old Bruce. He he's uh he's been around the block a time or two for sure. But uh, I've also noticed that he does not do the jumping anymore. He does the mm. it's time. I think the, those knees are getting a little bit old. Tweet the knee jumping one time. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So yeah. After that, that the other prelim, I was personally so heartbroken for. Uh. You know, Cheeto Vera looked nasty mm. on the ground as he always does he's, he's a heck of a fighter but man oh man that was the biggest disappointment to me because i have been hyping up sugar sean o'malley forever i back to the tuesday night contender series mm. you know year old i mean uh whatever ultimate fighter mm. he is the man the sugar show is one of my favorite dudes he's like six foot tall fighting at 135 like he and he's got the white dude tatted up with an afro like he is just his own person and i think he's just fascinating to watch because his fighting style is crazy he's throwing you know spinning back elbows you know superman punches like you you name it he's doing it and then the golden snitch got him again for some picograms or whatever and um he was i think that he, I, I was watching the uh, do you ever watch that anatomy of a fighter with will harrell will harris mm-hmm. It's essentially like a, a UFC embedded, but he's like a freelance guy that doesn't have like a contract or anything. So he goes behind the scenes and like one on, it's like a mini documentary mm-hmm. on the fighters. He did one with Khabib and he's done it with, like he actually went to Dagestan with Khabib and everything. Wow. He's this huge, like six foot seven black guy. He's a monster and he just, he's just cool with all the fighters. And he was doing them, uh, an anatomy of the fighter on uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley whenever all this happened. And it was like the same like pulsing effect mm-hmm. like with John Jones, and he's been cracking me up because the uh, O'Malley's like, dude, I am six foot tall, six one, a buck thirty. Like, don't you think if I was roiding out, y'all would be able to tell? He's like, I've literally had a camera following me around for the past year, and uh, even uh, uh, Novitsky, the the golden snitch from USADA, mm-hmm. was like. You know, we usually do like a two-year suspension, but your levels are so low. We know that it's nothing personal, and like you weren't doing it for any kind of performance-enhancing effects. He's like, "Well, why am I suspended then? What's going on? You let John fight, so once again, politics." You saw it. Yep. Have you ever seen the Sugar Show fight? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, I love it. I have that little tie-dye shirt. I've dude, seen the shirt. Man, he's he's cool. You need to go check him out. Look at his highlights. He's a freak. He's the one who broke his foot in that fight, and he did the interview in the ring with Joe Rogan on the ground because his foot oh, was shattered. Oh, yes, okay. Dude, just, I can't wait. Like, I promise you, you're hearing it here first. He's going to be huge. Whenever he gets the chance, he gets the spotlight, especially with the new ESPN stuff going mm-hmm. on. Sky's the limit. He's going to blow up. But... You know, Cheeto Vera ended up winning. I would have loved to see him fight him, but eh, whatever. I guess down the line we'll see it again. 
But that will bring us into the actual main card and the man you were talking about before, Mr. Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. So uh, who did you have going into that fight? I had Michael Chiesa, but I wanted to see Diego. I wanted to see what Diego could do. And Diego has always been a strange character to me. And from dating back all the way to the Clay Guida fight where it was just a bloodbath the entire time. Mm -hmm. But the stare down that they had probably three or four days before that was hilarious. And and you think that you see Diego and you know that he's just as cocky as can be. And you know that he feels like he can still get in there and hang. And I don't even know how old he is now, but he has been he was in Ultimate Fighter 1. He was, so, he was the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. the first one ever, yeah. So, I mean... You know that he's up there in age. I think he's, I want to say he's like 36. I think like so that. too, yeah, or 37 maybe. Yeah. But I was hoping to see what he had. And I mean, he he basically, he was just Michael Chiesa's ragdoll the entire time. Dominating. Just grapple dummy the entire fight. And it sucks because I'm with you. Uh, I think I think everyone was, you know, on the same path as far as, uh, or at least within the same mindset, thinking that Chiesa was going to come in and just manhandle him because he's twice Diego's size. Yeah. Chiesa should have been a welterweight a long time ago. You know, this is naturally where he's at. But um, and he even made that comment after the fight where he said, "He said I, I was cutting so much weight. He said this is where I should be fighting, and this is where I will be fighting." Yeah, exactly. And that's what we will all. I mean, if you're a fight fan, you want to see that because whenever guys stop starving themselves and dehydrating themselves, that's when you really get to mm-hmm. see what's up. But um, I hated to see that because you mentioned Clay Guida a minute ago. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Diego Clay Guida. Um, Rashad Evans and Michael Bisping, mm-hmm. yeah, got uh, all inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame the night the night before. Mm-hmm. And man, he turned around and he got worked. Did you, did you happen to see um, during? I think it was Rashad's speech that earthquake that hit California. No, they had like aftershocks in Vegas, uh-uh. and they felt it. And like uh, the guy I was watching the fights with was like, "Dude, you got to go back and watch that. It's the most fun. It's the funniest thing you'll see." Like. <laughs> Uh, Rashad just like pauses mid and he's like uh, I think we're having an earthquake and uh, but apparently like they had aftershocks that hit Vegas too oh I believe it but I mean they're right there but that, that's hilarious in the yeah. middle of their speech and Rashad you don't man looking back on it because they were showing those highlights man he was he was a beast was for dominant. a while people forget and he's, he was not a big guy for no. that division either like at all he was knocking dudes out twice his size dude had dude had a mean right oh he did for sure and uh, you were talking about uh, just a second ago, like the uh, the stare down with Diego, he is the only word I can find is just odd. Oh, like yeah. he he is just the the most odd person ever. Yeah. And did you see? Okay, I was talking to because I watched it with a couple of my buddies, and I was telling them beforehand because I'm the nerd that keeps up with all this. I'm like, did y'all hear Diego quit Jackson Wink? The most dominant like MMA camp in the world out of Albuquerque he quit mm. he just up and quit like a couple months before a couple weeks before fired or not fired but left all of his coaches high and dry and he hired this like mind coach like a little voodoo guy he's like four foot nothing <laughs> he has no like MMA background and Diego's like I'm just like on this journey and I feel like I need him and did you not notice that he had no. one dude in his corner and it was this guy and he even came out and said, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to help Diego. I'm just here to, you know, coach his mind. And I was dying because I was telling him, I'm like, guys, I know I sound crazy, but wait till the fight starts. 
everybody I was with, as soon as the corner came through, like or the the end of the first round, they all were losing it. They're like, "That's who you're talking about?" I was like, "Dude, I told you, it's this little like Hobbit guy standing there." And he's like, "You know, Diego just got worked in the round." And the guy comes over, he's putting like an ice pack on his head, and he's like, "I need you to take five calming <laughs> recovery breaths, Diego." And he, I don't know and how I, I missed this. And I need you to land some strikes. And Diego's over there just like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I could give you that advice. Yeah. You give, pay me a couple grand. I'll go stand yeah. in your corner, Diego. What are you doing? Yeah. But no, no it, wonder he lost that fight. Yeah, exactly. Because you hired a voodoo freaking weirdo off the internet somewhere. Yeah, meditation prince over there. You you really didn't see these videos no. of him? Dude, before the fight got released, it was this guy, you know, the coach I'm talking about, he's standing in a room with a heavy bag hanging from the ceiling. And he's like, like, Walking by it, like with like his like like kind of peeking at it over his shoulder, and then he like backhands it, like just like slaps it. And then he like walks by it again, and like kicks it, like he's like slipping on by it, like like smooth criminal. And everyone in the comments was like, "What is going on? This is the only person in the world that might be weirder than Diego Sanchez." And I'm like, "Yeah, they're a match made in heaven." Yeah, and they lost. <laughs> But yeah, man, that was that was a little bit of comedic relief because he did get worked, and that welterweight division is stacked. I'm excited to see what they do next for Chiesa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because he's he wasn't ranked obviously because he's not. Mm-mm. He was this was his first one in the division, right? You, after a performance like that, you got to give him top ten. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to. just yeah, to I mean, see what he can do. And I'm excited because that kind of—I mean—it that is already such a deep division. From I mean, from top to bottom, you pick anybody; they're all killers in there. And yeah. you throw him in. What do you do now? Yeah, like dude, you pick your poison. And any they could have a full welterweight card. I would watch it from top to bottom. Oh yeah. So the welterweight's always been a good division for the UFC, though. Yeah. I mean, dating back to the early Matt Hughes days. I oh mean, yeah. It's always been. You know, they just kept throwing people in in there. Just kept throwing people in there. Yeah, for sure. And then, like I think you said, like that's good if you're like a you know an average built guy with a lot of muscle on you, but still like mobile. Like that's going to be a good weight mm-hmm. limit right there. Like a lot of technicality, but with power too. Because mm-hmm. I mean that that's like I said from top to bottom, most interesting fighters over the last couple of years have came out of there. Oh yeah, you know, you know give or take. But uh, so yeah, that was that was hilarious. R.I.P. to Diego. I don't know. I wonder if he's going to re- retire. They uh, know probably just start putting him on the prelims so he just gets tired of being there oh at gosh. you know 4 o'clock in the afternoon for a fight with 600 people in the audience. No kidding. While he's screaming, yes, yes. Freaking weirdo. But, uh, okay, so that was that was fight number one. And then after that, I think, was one that you and I have talked about before. Uh, my boy... Luke Rockhold. I know you're not a fan of him. Can't stand it. Luke Rockhold and Jan Blakovich. Who did you have going into that fight? Being being as that was Rockhold's first fight at 205, I kind of thought Jan was gonna. I thought I thought I was hoping for a knockout, which I got. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was gonna be Jan's fight to begin with. Really? Being that being his first fight, I will I will give Luke Holt, uh, Rockhold some props though because he was jacked. Yeah, I mean, he looked huge in that fight. Mm-hmm. I think that because everyone that's been watching him for a while, he did cut a lot to get down to 185. Yeah. He sits naturally. Like, I mean, if he wasn't training, if he was just you know eating bonbons, that dude's gonna be every bit of 215 pounds. Yeah. He's a big boy. Dude, he was huge, and, and I, I kept looking at. It, I was like, they're gonna test him because he looks jacked in this fight. Exactly, and I was. I, I mean, hey, I put it out on my Facebook. I had all my picks out there, and I th- I did a 50-50. I think I got, like, three right and two wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I had Rockhold winning because I figured 
okay, big boy at more of his natural weight, and he's already got some lethal kicks. Mm-hmm. And, man, he was landing them, too, on Jan early mm-hmm. in that first round because uh, you saw he had that little that little thing over his leg where he had staff. Yeah. Did you notice that? And um, I was like, man, I guess Jan deserves more credit because he was eating all those strikes, too, like it was nothing. I mean, he didn't rock him one time. Until the end of the first round when he got him with that head kick, and yeah. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was going to say until, like, that – I don't want to call it like a glancing blow, but like it hit well, him it in the right spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then, uh, but yeah, he ended up not only getting knocked out, but broke his jaw again. Did you not hear that? No, I didn't know he broke his jaw. Yeah, that's his second time, man. So uh, I think Bisping did it the first time, but uh, yeah, right. Two guys that really mm-hmm. can't stand. But uh, yeah, he. So we are back after some uh, technical difficulties, <laughs> and you talk about feeling really stupid. Well, yeah, we were halfway, you know, in the in the middle of a conversation, and I just hear look over my laptop. Decided, hey, let's let's update in the middle of this podcast and not give you any kind of uh, recognition or anything. Just straight, we're gonna do it right now. It did a Luke Rockhold and went to sleep. Oh, he went there. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we ended on was Luke getting slept. And uh, that's that's what I was about to tell you before it turned off was um, Dana came on like the, the post-fight co- post conference. I'll say that ten times fast. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I think Luke Rockhold needs to hang it up, you know, because A, B, and C. But he made a very good point. He goes, a lot of people don't have like they say, oh, I'm going to pursue this or I'm going to do that. Luke is a legitimate model yeah. for ralph lauren i mean like could live comfortably for the rest of his life as that yeah like you don't need to get punched in the face anymore man one of my guys at work was telling me that he was in uh i think it was jc penny's and he was like i don't know why rockhold even fights anymore he's all over jc penny's mm-hmm. and uh he said that he heard in an interview that he was uh he's he, he said that he really could hang up the fight gloves and just stick with you know, modeling and doing whatever it does for Ralph Lauren and still make damn good money. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like, why not? Right. And that's, that's how a lot of the guys get out of this, you know, cause nobody, I mean, yes, there's the, the fighters that are just, they're, they're fighters in the literal sense. That's what they want to do. But mm-hmm. like, man, when they have an out, they're gone. Like Brendan Schaub, my boy, he loves, I mean, he was a comedian, yeah. was friends with Joe Rogan, Brian Callen, you know, Tom Segura, et cetera, et cetera. He's a, Screw getting punched in the face. I'm just going to go make people laugh and make quadruple the amount of money. Yeah, I mean, sell out comedy clubs all over L.A. and Vegas. And, all over the world, man. Yeah. Uh, whenever I went to go see him in Dallas at the uh, – or excuse me, at uh, in Addison. At that, the improv, yeah. Dude, it was wall-to-wall packed. It's crazy. Oh, he, and he was hilarious. But anyways, that's a whole different story. But um, anyway, so we were talking about the, the Rockhold and Blockovitz. Uh, you, did, you ended up – you picked Jan to win that one. So – I picked Luke, and I lost in terrible fashion. But nothing compares to what I'm about to tell you, man. I I know. I seriously have never been more wrong in my life about a fight. I I legitimately thought that the Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren fight could have gone. I I saw it happening a hundred different ways. Mm Mm-hmm. This was not in that 100. I I couldn't – me and you talked about it. We were both speechless. Good five minutes. I was sitting there, just staring at the screen, watching the replays, watching Ben Askren become unstarched because he could not even. He even said in that post thing, he didn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's like, I came to in the hospital, and I was like, oh man, I'm not sore. My head doesn't hurt. 
and I don't even know how I got here, so I bet it was really, really quick. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't feel anything. It must have been really fast. One of the most unbelievable knockouts I can recall seeing since the days I started watching UFC. I, that's funny you say that because we, I was talking with one of my buddies, and I said the only other f- uh, knockout, like legitimate knockout that I can remember that just stopped me in my tracks was Francis Ngannou starching Alistair Overeem. Yes. With that left hook that put him on the map. Dude, I'll never, ever forget that. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, and like the whole, the entire restaurant stopped for a good 20 seconds. We thought I thought he was dead. Yeah. And Corey was saying, I genuinely thought Ben Askren was on the point of like, something was wrong with him, because he, he was so stiff yeah. for so long. I mean, he was starched. I mean, he was... Oh yeah, he was in a different dimension, man. He, it's he, great to do a, yeah. something for a podcast when nobody can see what's going on. Right. So he, uh, Big Russ, has got his arms stuck out right in front of him now, like a scarecrow, so, or off to the side. So yeah, making a great reenactment. If you saw the fight, you know exactly what it looked like. You do a good Ben Askren, but yeah, I could not. I'm, anybody that was asking me, "Hey, who you got? Who you got?" I went out there and I'm like, you know, no, once again, if you're not a fight nerd. The name Ben Askren might not mean anything to you other than him, him being a troll. He is a savage. You know, the one championship, um, Bellator, he was welterweight champion, both of those. And he makes a living on grabbing you and squeezing the life out of you. Mm-hmm. He strangles you into submission or just until you can't breathe anymore. And that's what he does. He yep. was an Olympian. He was a college wrestler. He was a, you know, multiple division or excuse me, a multiple league champion. And no offense to Masvidal, Masvidal's a beast. If you don't mm. believe me, go watch what he did to Darren Till. But I cannot explain to you how in shock I was. I sat there, and uh, my buddies I was with jumping up, oh, 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 my God. I didn't say a word. Mm. I, like, I could not believe what I just saw. Just stared at the screen constantly. Just what, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And everyone that's like, oh, that was a fluke. That was a fluke. Did you see Mike Brown, um, Masvidal's coach, talk about uh, or what he uploaded? Mm-hmm. That Yeah, the video that he, I plan to do this type thing. Two days before he's in the gym by himself, just him and his coach, flying these. Yeah. That was not a mistake. That was calculated. He knew exactly what was going to do. And, man, he, he couldn't have done it any better. No, there's no way. It was just, that was nuts. And I've watched it a hundred times, and it's it's just it's crazy because I, I love I love Askren, I I have nothing against Masvidal, right? And that trash talk made it just so much more. Oh, like, it made it more intense. Made it better. It was better hype for the fight. Even that, if even if you're a casual MMA fan and you watched the pre-fights for any of that and you saw some of the back and forth, you were like, okay, there's some there's some genuine hatred in this fight. Oh yeah, and that's you nailed it because like the casual fans, you and I are the anomaly. You know, MMA heads are very few and far between. Mm-hmm. You know, because it what it's just not a mainstream thing, which is totally fine. Right. But it's cool whenever stuff like this happens. No offense to Ben, but like because it gets people like, oh my god, did I, you see that? I don't know who Ben Askren is, but you're talking about the white dude with the dad bod and the curly hair that got starched <laughs> now we can talk yeah. you know like yes that's yeah. him so that'll put people on the map top five knockout oh no of all doubt. times for you no doubt as far as i physically seen live that's the number one not hands down the number one i would say that one's top top three for me number one would be anderson anderson so was uh front kick to the face to Vito before oh 
you're right. That was, dang, that's old school. That's real old school. That one, and then the uh, uh, Francis Ngannou, that one, and then Askren third. I will say that's a great top three. One of mine would be, like I said, the Askren. Number two would be uh, Ngannou and Overeem. Number three, Anthony Pettis off the cage kicking Ben Henderson. Yes. That, I, that That's video game stuff right there. Yeah. But, ah. Uh, Getting me fired up over here talking yeah. about that, man. So that we're we're only three card or excuse me, three fights in on the main card, and you could have stopped it right there. That's an amazing card. Yeah, that's a main event card. You've got Michael Chiesa moving up the weight division and strangling the life and and you know just utterly dominating a legend. Then you've got Rockhold moving up a division, getting his jaw broken. Then you have the knockout of the century, the fight after that. I'm like, man, what? how can you top this? Then you walk into uh, – oh, hold on. Actually, before we get to the next fight, um, I've never asked you about, like, the the trash talking. We I just kind of mentioned it a minute ago. But, like, what do you what do you think about that? Like, are you a Colby Covington, Ben Askren fan? Are you on the, the trolling I, train? I like it. And the only reason that I do like it, and I, I have Chell Sonnen to think for that because – when he started that, Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. One of the best things that could ever happen in MMA, to bring someone in who's got that kind of a mouth and then get worked in a fight. Mm-hmm. Made people want to watch the fight. A casual MMA fan who goes, oh, I know who Anderson Silva is. I know this guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, so I'm going to watch this fight. Good for, I think it's, it used to be really good. And there used to be a lot of good trash talking. If you go back and you watch some of the older videos, you see how you know they would interview these guys, you know, singular by themselves, and say, "Okay, what do you think of your opponent? Oh, I think this, this, and this. But I know when I get in there, I'm going to tap him out, or I'm going to knock him out." They don't really do that as much anymore. Right now, it's more personal because they do these big press conferences, and these guys get a chance to actually look at each other and point fingers and cuss at each other, and you're like. Y'all are making this fun to mm-hmm. watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like politics in a mm-hmm. sense. Like people, they want they want to be a, like associated with one or the other. Like, oh gosh, you're an Askren fan. Well, I'm Masvidal, and I'm over here like I have I love Askren, but I have nothing against Street yeah. Jesus, man. Masvidal is the man. I, I everyone that I can tell you that's one of my like real close like fight circle friends. Remember watching him in those Kimbo Slice videos in the backyards. Dude, Masvidal is old school gangster, knock you out and, you know, not think twice about Mm-mm. it. I love it. But on the other hand, I love Ben Askren too because I feel like his trash talk isn't like the Colby. Like Colby's is so over the top. It's like it, for it's, la- it's WWE-ish. Yeah, it's, it's – I don't know the right term, but it's almost like – a try hard mm-hmm. like he googled a bunch of big words to throw Almost at us. scripted sometimes like yeah like it, it, that's a good word yeah scripted but whereas Askren's is off the dome mm-hmm. like he's like you know the boom roasted stuff like he's just being a goofball but it gets under people's skin and dude that mental you know warfare works you don't believe me look at conor mcgregor one of our at, favorites exactly oh, dude conor dude's got some of the one of the best one lines in in MMA history press conferences. Oh, you know. Who the f- is that guy? I mean. Break out the red panties. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. And now look at him. On top of the world, I like I always say he's going to, in five years, he's going to buy Northern Ireland and just, yeah. like, just become like a freaking king over there. I still want to see him back in the ring, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't, man. I don't. I wanted to ride off into the sunset on a, you know, into a sea of proper 12 whiskey and just like. Oh, he's already doing that right now. Oh, man. I can't. I just. 
I love him to death. He is the epitome of a success story. Oh yeah, and from start to finish, right? And for I'm, sure, he made him, and he made a majority of his money with doing the best thing that he does best, and that's using his mouth. Yep, hundred percent. And if you think that's, about it, sounded gay. But. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you could have explained that a little bit better. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're twelve years old, and that made me laugh. But um, no, and and what's funny is um, I've t- I've even talked to this about like uh, with Casey. I'm like, okay, Casey's been with me forever, and she knows how much I love MMA. Conor McGregor became mainstream fairly recently. I'd say he really, really gained notoriety, obviously with the Aldo knockout, but like with the Nick, I mean Nate Diaz fights, mm-hmm. but not still not many people. It was the Khabib and the Mayweather fights, mm-hmm. and uh, guess what? He lost both of those. But he didn't lose in the pocketbook. You're dang right. But in those two losses in the press conferences, you can can you imagine the internet if Conor McGregor wasn't alive? All the memes, all the all the quotes, all the gifts and stuff—they wouldn't even. Mm-hmm. Connor's pop culture, man. Yeah. He, he just transcends fighting. He's everything. He's he's a part of everyone's life. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like it, you know Connor McGregor. So, yeah, Ben Askren's not even close to that. Level. No, he, he he's got a chance to be though. Yeah, I I think that he handled it well too. Um, with all the, uh, I don't want to say like I guess negativity that came from it. Right. He's like, yeah. I mean, I deserved it. I've yeah. been talking crap for. A decade and you know i've never lost until now and now they're laying it on thick and i deserve it i've said yeah. bad stuff so whatever and he oh he even went on ariel hawani's shirt yeah, show that. and he was like man he calls him george and that kills me he's like dude george laid down on one of the most perfect knees ever he goes i've only seen it about twice because i don't remember it happening but it was flawless so yeah how do you get mad at that i like i like what what Jorge said after that, where he said, "If I see this guy in Whole Foods, that's still going to smack him up." Yeah. I was like, "There's genuine hatred there, and I oh, like this." Yeah. See, there's nothing fake about either one of those guys mm-hmm. at all. But um, yeah, that was that was a heck of a setup. But uh, so the next the next one on the the list here was the one that you told me at the beginning of this podcast you were super excited for, and that speaks numbers. And this is not not me being sexist at all, but like women's fighting is definitely on a downturn ever since the you know the rondas leaving and everything mm-hmm. like that like it, the belts kind of have been tossed around until a little lady named amanda nunez came and she is here to stay and she cemented herself yeah. as the best of all time so just to recap you did say you picked holly as the upset right I there i picked holly on the upset i was wrong but i picked her i was hoping for it but you can't you can't doubt amanda nunez's skills i mean the girl has the girl has dominated every single person they've put in front of her, and it's funny, and it was pointed out to me, and I didn't even realize it, but every person that's held that title in the past five years, she has beat. Yeah. Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Cyborg. Uh, there was one more I thought. Was it Gerandomy? No. 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 Maybe I it was just those three. Okay, maybe. But, like, that that speaks numbers to her. Oh, and home, four. Oh, yeah. No, wait, did you already say Holly? No. Okay, so... Misha, Ronda, Cyborg, Holly. There you go. And those people, it's not like she was taking them out at, like, a, the twilight of their career. Mm. Like, um, those are all savages. Like, I mean, killers. Literally killers. She had one of the best women's knockouts I've ever seen against Cyborg. Oh, yeah, because she dropped her. 
Cyborg stood right back up. She dropped her again. Yeah. I'm like, this woman. She folded her over. Ice in her veins, man. And she, how do you not like her? She is so positive yeah. all the time. At her post-fight interview, she's just, like, just on top of the world. Happy, she, jumping, you know, just as happy as to, can be to be winning. Exactly. Beating the crap out of other people. But she never, like, she's not a trash talker. No. She's not, she's just happy, you know. Yeah. And I, she's great. And there, in, in my opinion, you're never you're never going to find another female fighter like that. She's, she's just, she's the upper echelon and nobody's touching that. And she does it in good fashion. And I mean, where does, where does women's MMA go from here? Yeah. That's what I, I talked about. This with somebody else's. Who do you throw at her next? Because they, everybody that they've thrown at her, she's knocked down. Yeah. I mean, so up out of nowhere to, for them right. to throw in front of her. I mean, yes, she does have two belts and two different weight classes. Yeah. So, Will she ultimately do what everybody else that's been a double champ and go, uh, I'm going to relinquish this one. Yeah. Or I'm going to relinquish this one. You know. So I, we'll see what she does. I personally, it'll probably never happen. And she, she's not even deserving of this yet. But, dude, Megan Anderson, that six foot tall, tatted up girl. The one that Holly fought before her. I would love to see that fight just for personal i mean amanda's gonna win but like that would be a fun opponent to see her yeah. fighting that skyscraper of a woman you she's know tall. That she's is huge tall. australian i think yeah she's huge and yeah. she's getting better and better but like what are we gonna see claudia gadeja don't yeah. don't want to see that gerandomy don't want to see that you know we've seen them all like i mean she's just cyborg's got a fight coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that was weird. She told yeah. me. Oh, or she told. I said she told me. Yeah, I was in contact. Oh, with yeah, Cy- yeah. Chris Cyborg. Got yeah. it like that. Got it on Spike or on Skype. On Skype. But no, um, she. They said that she came out and was. They offered like Cyborg's camp offered Nunez a fight, and Nunez was like, yeah, sure. And then like the next day, Cyborg signed to fight someone else, and Nunez was like, okay. Yeah, I just said I would fight you, but we didn't put it in writing, and now you jump and run off and do something else. So, yeah, whatever. I think I saw yesterday, day before yesterday, the girl she's fighting is like seven and two. So it's like you're gonna. It's not. That's just I, that. That's what I'm saying. When when I was talking about women's MMA, I'm not saying that it's bad. The talent. I'm just saying it is such a clear cut, fine line between the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Maybe we're spoiled with the guys right now because every division is just killers, mm-hmm. killers. I mean, look at the the contender series right now, killers mm-hmm. on there. They, they uh, Dana White handed out five contracts last night, five. Oh. We're about to see a new flood of people coming in too, man. So, and then you think of women's MMA, and it's the same two to three women just fighting for second yeah. because Amanda is that crazy dominant. Yeah. So, good for her. Which brings us on to the next dominant reign here. Uh, John Bones Jones and Tiago Santos. You saw the call. They may have to give him another drug test. <laughs> pico, pico. But um, what, did you, what did you think and who did you have going into this? Going into it, it's a John Jones fight. So you kind of automatically know you have to dominate this guy from start to finish or you got to knock him out. John Jones... Whether you like him or not, he's one of the most dominant fighters there is in the history of MMA. Yeah, and he starts to finish. He st- from start to finish, he dominated. And I, I personally had um, Tiago Santos with two rounds. I thought he had at least two because there was a couple in there where he was working those leg kicks on Jones, and you could just really see really well the whelps that were on John Jones' thighs. 
And they were very clear. You could see that. And uh, I had to escort him out of the ring, man. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't even walk. Yeah. And I feel like when you watch as much as we have, you know, like I said, 10 plus years of watching even John fighting. I mean, I right. remember John fighting in like 09. Right. So let me ask you this. I personally think for whatever reason, I feel like he was holding back because, and, and, he, and here's my reasoning behind that. John has, look, look at his, his resume. He has fought an Olympic gold medalist wrestler, DC, arguably top five fighters of all time, twice, beaten him on the ground, manhandled him on mm-hmm. the ground. Okay, that is proving his dominance on the ground. Um, does the name Leota Machida ring a bell? Right. Uh, submitted him on the ground, too. So, what the heck? Why would he not? You, as much of a fighting IQ as John Jones has, you cannot tell me he didn't know Tiago's knee was jacked up. And what, what kept him from sweeping that knee, taking him to the ground, and t- torquing that knee behind his head and ruining his career? Did he even have one? I don't even think he had one takedown attempt at all. Period. I don't think so either. Like, I don't even think there was even an attempt. I think the times that it went to the ground was when John that hit that flying knee and he fell, and then they yeah. both stood right back up. And I think there was a couple times where he caught the leg in one of the kicks, and he would try to, like, spin him up, and Tiago would spin out of it and be still standing. Yeah, and in, in, in John's post-fight interview, he did say that. He was like, you know, uh, Tiago is the one of the, he's a kickboxer. He's, he's the one of the best strikers in the world, and I wanted to beat him at his own game. It was a mental chess match, et cetera, et cetera. And I get that, you know, when you win so often, like Mm. he does, you want to kind of test yourself. Like you almost get bored of just destroying people. But dude, that was not, that that was was, was was not a clear cut win, John. Like, dude, why did you not, like, you need to let your ego go to the back and you need to just, just destroy that guy. I almost felt like he, he didn't want to hurt him. That was, and I could be totally wrong. That is just my opinion, but you can't tell me looking at his history of destroying people on the mm-hmm. ground he sees a wounded uh you know opponent right there who tore his acl mcl pcl and mm-hmm. his meniscus so his knee is literally just floating in his body right. attached to nothing john's like yeah you know what we'll just leave that but it shows you it shows you a testament to santos too because the dude fought a 25 minute fight with all four of those torn savage and we don't even they they, didn't, they haven't even really said when he tore all that. Yeah, they it could have been in the first round, right? And we were even speculating maybe it was an injury that happened beforehand, and this just kind of like you know inflamed or not inflamed it, but like uh, I guess like it ex- it. accentuated it, you yeah. know. And Joe kept saying Joe kept saying that during the fight, he was like, maybe this is an old injury yeah. that is just all of a sudden just popping back up. Man, I don't know, but I was getting scared. Like, I mean, if you if you watch if you know the UFC judging, you know fairly well. They're not gonna. The only time they've ever screwed anybody on a, that many title defenses was I don't even. You couldn't even say screw, but it was uh, Mighty Mouse when yeah. Cejudo won. Right. That fight literally could have gone either way, and I thought that they were gonna give it to him because he's been defending it like seven times. Well, John's got what thirteen title defenses now, right? Including with with this one, you're not gonna give a dozen title defenses away on a split decision. You're yeah. just not gonna do it, and that's what also was freaking me out is maybe john knew that i don't know but um maybe he maybe he was like oh i've got it in the bag i don't want to hurt this guy 
But at the same time, man, if I was him, I would have never let anything to even be questioned. I would have just gone for it. And the thing about it too, and, and it's one of those things that it's one of those things that Dana always says is if you don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Amen. Don't if you want to win, don't leave it in the hands of judges. It's in your hands. And that's one thing that, you know, I've heard him say it a million times. Don't leave it in their hands. And he left it in their hands. I, like I said, I, th- I think he won two rounds. Um, I think they scored it. I think they scored it right. But Yeah. I mean, which also leads us to think, where do we go from here? Where does he go? Do we have another rematch? You know, I was even I was even saying, like, man, this is going to be fun now that Rockhold is going to be in the division. Maybe he can – well, Rockhold got starched. He's probably never going to fight again. Uh Blockovich has already gotten beat by Tiago and by Alexander Gustafson, both of which have lost to John multiple times. Mm-hmm. Not Tiago, but you know Gus twice. Right, and he's retired now. Like it, it's just where do we? What do you? I don't. I personally, I don't want to see another John in DC, even if it's oh, at heavyweight. No. I don't. I'm sick of it. I don't need a trilogy. This isn't boxing. No one cares. Like no offense to DC, he's a beast. He's the love DC. I don't want to see you fight him again. Mm-mm. I don't want to see John. I don't even like that talk about it. It's just an annoying to me. And it's like, what? John's going to put on some more pounds and fight him at a heavier weight? Well, we've seen this twice, yep. dude. Like, I don't want to see that anymore. Yep. So, but either way, that was a heck of a fight. John's the best of all time. I think that cemented it. I think that him and Amanda are just the goats in their respective rights. Oh, hell yeah. So, speaking of. The ever elusive DC. You are my only friend. That sh- I'm from the land. <laughs> Love that dude. You are the only friend that I have that loves Stepe as much as I do. He's I, a man's man. He's he's just a good dude, and I can't wait for this rematch because if anyone deserves it, it's him. The yeah. most deserving rematch in UFC history. I think so too. There's not anybody in there's not any person in the world that can tell me that there's anybody that's had a rematch in history that deserves it more than Stepe does. Right. And I think that maybe Dana even knew that because he doesn't really listen very often cuz he's, you know, an egotistical guy, but Stepe probably would have never fought again. Why why? He's the most decorated heavyweight of all time. Yep. The most title defenses of all time. And I'm not saying DC's knockout of Stipe was a fluke but it was definitely not expected no you know because dc's not a knockout artist he takes you to the ground and Stipe has a a granite chin yeah. i mean he was eating in ganu's punches yeah. so that was the perfect overhand left or whatever it was in the perfect spot at the perfect, perfect time. time i mean it was Stipe could not have had a more awful shit storm happen oh to yeah him. so therefore i think every fight fan would agree with that yeah why would you not give him a rematch? Why should've, it should have came years ago. Why it did he not take this years, long? Yeah. And I also, I get DC, because DC was supposed to be lined up to fight Brock. Yeah. And I get that. That's where the money's at. DC's 40 years old. Brock's 1,000 years old. Yeah. And the minute that fell through, we got the Stipe match. But, like, come on, man. Why did it have to come to that? Why did it that? come to that? Yeah. So, August 17th, day after my birthday, I cannot wait. It's going to be probably one of my... It, they just better put some better fights on there. Yep. Because you're you're not gonna you're not gonna sell me on because that's the bad thing about that's the only thing that I really don't really like about the ESPN Plus deal is 
you have to still pay for it even if you have the subscription. So it's like, okay, I get that. But if you're going to try to sell me that that's, that's the best fight on the card, I'm like, yeah, mm, come on, guys. You got to sell me something better. Yeah, me. that's for sure. They're even doing that with like the Max Holloway fight coming up, like mm-hmm. the Frankie Edgar. I, I mean, blessed MMA, Max Holloway is the man. I'm not going to buy a Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar main event. I'm just not. I'll wait till the next day. Because you know what? I bought Max Holloway and Brian Ortega, and I thought that was going to be an awesome, you know, Ortega's going to give him a run. Max Holloway landed the most significant strikes in UFC history and made him look like a piece of, you know, ground up. Beat up meat. I'm like, oh my God, I am never buying another one of those again unless it's like the Poirier fight. That's going to be Oh my God. No, that was, dude, when Max and Poirier fought, I was, I've never been so like satisfied watching a fight i love poirier love max those dudes have mutual respect high five everyone thought max was going to take it to him because he jumped up no poirier pieced him up guess what max was like dude you're the better man you won holla at me brother you know freaking hawaii for life later see ya like how do you not love that dude yeah uh i can't wait you see the stare down between him and frankie edgar yeah oh well i mean max staring over his head that's like it's, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was the it was the uh, the highest bar that you have, and no bars. Yeah, exactly. No service. That's that's funny. I can't wait to see that. There's a lot of really really good fights coming up soon. Um, you know, granted they're all on different cards, but right. good fights for sure. Colby Covington's coming up. He's fighting. Uh, there was another one that I saw that I was oh the what the Khabib and Poirier. Yeah, Khabib yeah. Poirier. That uh, was in um, that that one's gonna be in. Overseas, um, they're building Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi yeah, yeah, they're building right. that arena for God. strictly for this event, which I think is like it speaks to what MMA has become. That in Abu Dhabi, they're going to build a arena, yeah, just for this event. Yeah, because Abu Dhabi's been known for their freaking jujitsu for years. Like that's where like the world tournament is. And speaking of that, I think Paul Felder is a great commentator. I yeah. cannot stand how much he promotes himself. Paul Felder, nobody wants to see you fight. Nobody wants to see you fight. He's like, wow, yeah, that could be even blah, blah. Yeah, you know, whenever I'm fighting in Abu Dhabi and then, you know, me and Edson Barbosa, nobody cares. Shut up. You are working for the UFC talking about these fights, not yourself. Yeah. Stop it. You're I making yourself look up. stupid. And like, dude, no one even knows you. They know Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Not you, but whatever. I still think that as long as Rogan and Anik are on the commentary board, like, it doesn't matter. It's going to be great. If yeah. DC is the one who fits in the best with them, though. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. DC is probably the best one that they've had in there. Yeah, he's he's. That's why they wanted to. I bet you anything. I bet you anything. DC will end up in the WWE before he's dead. You think so, dude? He has. If it's not even like wrestling, he'll probably be sidelined. He, dude, his commentary is phenomenal. He's smart. He's witty. Yeah. He's well spoken. It's 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 gonna be, and this was and I heard us read an article. I don't remember what the heck it was mainly about but they were talking about how they were what could what money could the wwe offer conor mcgregor to sign like one year and i'm like this is a dude who loves knocking people out Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to train this dude for like three years to fake a punch yeah i mean so that but he's he's also the same dude who throws dollies through bus windows you still don't know if he's gonna actually go out there and knock somebody out too and pay the price he's like whatever and this is a guy whose favorite word is the f word yeah so how do you how do you make this guy not drop f bombs on you know when there's twelve year old kids in the audience? No kidding. 
we'll see we'll see and that it's kind of crazy how their wwe and mixed martial arts are just kind of slowly becoming intertwined you know even though it's kind of maybe not for the best <laughs> no definitely not for the best oh man well we've kind of ran the gambit on that that was but but 239 ufc that was an awesome awesome card from top to bottom and that was best very... one best one i've seen probably two years oh yeah no doubt I, I would agree with that because it it from even like those prelims we were talking mm-hmm. about up to the main card you had like six knockouts right and like i mean not only just knockouts like broken jaws phenomenal knockouts broken jaws leg kick to a kickboxing or i mean a head kick to a kickboxing specialist um a flying knee in five seconds you know like it's just it's nuts i I loved every bit of it Like three of those seconds was the referee trying to tackle him no kidding right uh so we started out this podcast by saying that you're a huge texas ranger fan and i'm also a massive just baseball fan as a gen and in general as you can tell by the studio that we're in right now did you uh did you catch that home run derby Uh, i watched i watched the majority of it i didn't watch the whole thing um mainly watched vlad Guerrero jr I think that's why um, everybody watched it. That yeah. dude is a that dude is a beast. I mean, that dude is going to be something to watch for hopefully quite a long time. He's twenty years old, hitting balls off the scoreboard in Cleveland, like what with ease, yeah, dude. He hit almost a hundred home runs in that derby. Ninety four, I think, like ninety one. Ninety one. I don't understand how he can do. Have you ever swung a bat ninety one times? If you're hitting no. if you're hitting nothing and you're just making the swinging motion, 91 swings is exhausting. He was hitting those balls 470 well, feet. Well, you think about it, he actually probably swung it more than 91 oh, times. Oh yeah, too. no kid. Oh, he definitely did because that's just how many went over the fence. Yeah. So I bet he was sore. But man, that was so much fun to watch. That I was... think Major League Baseball's got it figured out. They're the only professional sport, in my opinion, that's got like the All Star weekend set up perfectly because there's enough riding on the game to where you take it semi-competitively but it's also not so competitive that people are going to hurt themselves but it's still fun for the fans and just the players genuinely enjoy it nba can do that but they just don't they don't capitalize on it yeah they could do it but they just don't capitalize on it they they make it more of a spectacle for the fans and and but the mlb has capitalized on it and it's a spectacle for fans yeah and it's also entertaining and there's something to play for absolutely and uh they actually it's cool like they do the stand up to cancer thing and mm-hmm. then they donate like the century 21 stuff that's super super cool and they don't do it in a way that's like shoving it down your throat right you know what i mean it's for a good cause and it's not just overkill the only thing so, they want to shove down your throat is joe buck oh i'm so sick of it i know every major sports event i'm just, just i'm over it but whatever he's making the big bucks uh so i had a special question on here for you if you could was it thundering? There's a chance. Oh, okay. Getting crazy over here. Um, if you had to pick a walkout song, like a little 10-second snippet, what would be Ooh. next up to the plate? Big Russ, Man. Russell Brown. That would be a hard one. If I had to just go off something off the top of my head, I, it would have to be something like, I would have to go something like ACDC or something. Nice. Okay. You know, maybe like Shoot the Thrill or, you know, you Hell's Bells. Oh. You know, boom. Right there. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean. I, I think about that stuff all the time. Like, I'll hear a song. I'm like, dude, that'd be so sick. Yeah. yeah. In high school, I wanted to walk out to American Badass by Kid Rock. And the coach, <laughs> the coaches kicked me out of their office. They're like, we can't freaking do that. Get out of my office. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, it's. 
They call yeah. me cowboy. I'm like, well, screw you. I'm a little 17-year-old punk. Like, let me do it, man. Yeah. He's like, get out of my office, Gilly, right now. Like, yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Okay, bud. So I wrap up every one of my podcasts by popular demand. This I have, my, I have a recurring segment called If I Could Pick Three to Have a Beer With Me. And it's kind of a just a laid-back approach. If you could choose... At any point in history, they could be famous, they could be, you know, whatever. Three people at any point in history to sit down, have a beer with, relax, and just kind of pick their brain. Who would it be and why? Now, I, I probably should ask you this before. Now, is this three people at the same time or, or no, three separate occasions? Three, oh, it's fine. Whatever. I mean, you three separate occasions. You give each individual person your 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 attention. Because I thought about it multiple ways. and, and Hit me with it. And we're, the, we're, we're shooting by our hip here. And two of them, them kind of were... One of them was obvious. Uh, one of them would be my dad. Um, I lost my dad a couple years ago to pancreatic cancer. Um, and you don't really realize how much time you wish you would have, more time you would have spent with someone. But I think that would be one. But then when, when I thought about the question more, it was one of those things of, you know, if this is a table for four, who else is going to be there? And why would you want to watch this unfold? And and it really dawned on me. I was like, you know, it's, it, it, it's going to sound corny. But if I, my dad... And the things that I could get from him that I don't know, you know, because I'm getting married soon. You know, talking about that. Shout out Jessica. Right. Love you. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, uh, one, of, one of the other ones was Donald Trump. And the only reason that I said, and the only reason I say that. Triggered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't write me hate mail. My last name is not anything that you can find. Um, regardless, if, regardless if you like him as a president, the dude is a billionaire genius. Yeah, charismatic. And sure. the third one would be Jerry Jones. Oh, and okay. The, and there's three things that I thought about. First of all, my dad sitting at a table with Jerry Jones would be hilarious to me because my dad would tell him how many things he's done wrong with the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> and why he stopped watching them back in the early 90s. Two, to see, just to hear the conversations that they've had. I mean, regardless of... Regardless if you're a Cowboy fan, whatever, Jerry Jones is just, to me, just like Trump. He knows where to put his money. He knows exactly what is good good for business. And the knowledge that those three people can, the knowledge that those three people can, like, throw out at us, you, you probably, I mean, everybody has somebody in their life that they've lost that they would love to talk to again. Sure. And that's when we, that's that's one thing that I always that I'll always take with me is, you know, I it's getting crazy outside. I know, I think it's hailing now. Um, but it's taking things for it's it's never taking things for granted from people and getting all the knowledge that you can from them. And from those three, if sitting down with those, it would be one of those things is you could get business knowledge, you could get life knowledge, and you could get it from all three of those people because, you know, my dad was successful in raising three boys who were as much of a pain in the ass as we all are. And you can ask any of our family. We got our heads on our shoulders. We've all got, you know, good family around us and good friends around us. Um, my dad worked like a dog from day one. I mean, he started work when he was 13 and he worked. And I guarantee you, if God willing, he probably would have worked until he, you know, passed away. And, that's those are things like hard work, dedication to your family. I mean, those are things that nowadays to me are taken for granted. Um, 
And that's one thing that, you know, if I'm blessed enough to have children, those are one thing. Those are things that I'm going to instill in my family is you work hard. You work hard for your money, but you also work hard for your family. And you just carry you just carry love, man. You got to carry love with you everywhere you go. Yeah. And that's the one thing I'm proud of is I keep I keep people around me. And that's the way I feel like my dad raised me. I keep people around me that, you know, if I needed a help doing something, I could give you a call and say, hey, man, where are you at? I need a, uh, I need a help. I just ran out of gas. I mean, just something, you know. Sure. And so that's, you know, those three to me would be not only entertaining, but knowledgeable. I yeah, mean, you could get, sure. You could learn stuff from people like that. Yeah, man. And that's a, that's a hell of a table right there. You're getting me all emotional over here. Well, <laughs> now, I never had the pleasure of meeting your dad, but he raised a good man, I'll tell you that much. Appreciate and I, that. and I'm, not, I'm not BSing you. I, I, I love me some big Russ, and I can't wait to go and see you marry the girl of your dreams and, and Jess, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun at y'all's wedding and your bachelor party coming up soon. Ooh, so boy, uh, I don't know if your dad would have any good advice on that, but I'll, I'll make sure you don't get into too much trouble. What happens at the lake stays at the lake. Yeah, right. There ain't nothing going to be happening. I'll just make sure you don't drown. How about that? Hey, that'll work. But man, I very much appreciated you coming out and spending some time with me. We had a real good podcast here. I always enjoy picking your brain about not only sports, but life in general. Oh, and, you. um, is there uh, any um, shout-outs you want to make? You know, Instagrams, you got any plans in the future to do anything like this on your own? Uh, well, there's, there's potential uh, to, uh, to let, the, uh, let the mouth fly, per se, because you never know, really know what's going to come out of my mouth. So, that's very true. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's in the possibility right now we're saving for a wedding. So maybe 2020 there may be, you know, uh, the Russell Brown experience coming out or something. You never know. There you go. Okay, guys. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll post all of Russell's, uh, you know, social medias down below. If you want to go hit him up, give him a follow. He's always having me cracking up on social media. So, once again, Big Russ, I very much appreciate you coming out, man. Oh, it was a great time, bud. I loved it.